0: Amen. Thank you. Numbers chapter 13, let's stand together. And tonight we do look forward to the teens being able to testify, especially after the great sacrifice of the church and, and others outside the church to help them go. I think it's only fitting that you hear from them what God has done. And it will be a good time. It will be a cleansing time and we need this. And so pray for the young people tonight. And, and, um, and I told the, uh, our staff, I told the counselors, I said, now, in my experience over the years, I've seen many, many times where we've announced something, not just here, but in, in churches, and we've been there for meetings, uh, that we're going to have a time of testimony from those who have gotten right. And uh, young people especially They've gotten right They've unloaded some things And we're going to have testimony time and, and it never fails that testimony time Somebody gets sick And sometimes it's not just teenagers Sometimes it's the parents who get sick Because we, we want to experience God We just don't want to experience it in my heart And in my home And so sometimes there's that I think we'll skip that part and so don't, don't do that. And um, God's going to be here, so you need to be here as well. All right, Numbers chapter 13. Notice, if you would, beginning of the first verse of the chapter, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran. All those men were heads of the children of Israel. And so he goes through and he lists these down through verse number 16. Verse number 17, Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get get you up this way southward and go up into the mountain and see the land. What it is, and the people that dwelleth therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many. And what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not. And be ye of good courage, and bring of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the time of the first ripe grapes. And so they went up and searched the land. We come to verse number 25, and they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. So 40 days, these 12 spies went and and, and they investigated, they explored the land of Canaan. Verse 26, and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran and to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came into the land whither thou sentest us and surely it floweth with milk and honey and this is the fruit of it. Verse 28. Nevertheless, The people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. You you get the, the, the scene here? They're coming back after 40 days. They're telling the people, telling Caleb and Joshua and Moses and Aaron, this is some good fruit, but there's some some stuff here that that not all the media is going to tell you. We're telling you what we saw, and, and this is not looking good. Verse 30, And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once, and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people uh, that that we saw in it are men of a great stature. There we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, And the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, the land which we pass through to search it, is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense has departed from them, and the Lord is... With us, fear them not. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. Wow. There's a lot here. There's a lot that took place right here in these verses that the New Testament is based upon. But God's people were not there any more than we too are right there. In other words, what they went through, so do we. God allows his people from the beginning of time with Adam and Eve till now to enter into what I refer to as crisis. A crisis. A crisis to help us see, one, where we truly are in our relationship with the Lord. And number two, a crisis so as to make it clear as to what we're going to do with what God has given to us. Every invitation is a crisis. What are you going to do with what God has given to you? And it's to help reveal where you are in your relationship with the Lord. Many times we settle with, God's not killed me yet. But the problem is, is if you ever settle with what God doesn't settle with. You've settled, not with God, but with Satan's will. The tragedy in Numbers 13 and 14. The tragedy is that they're on the outside of Canaan. doesn't matter what the hymnal says. The hymn book does not replace God's book. God's book, Canaan, is never heaven. Our hymnals may sing about Canaan being heaven. Canaan was a place where there are giants. There's no giants in heaven, unless they're saved giants. But there's no battles to be fought in heaven. There are battles to be fought in Canaan. Canaan is a place of victory. It's a place of entering into the abundant life. Canaan in the Old Testament was the experiencing God in the New. The tragedy in Numbers 13 and 14 is that God's people, they were right at the threshold. They were at the threshold of entering into Canaan. It's been a long time coming. How long were they in in Egypt as slaves? 400 plus, 430 years, I think. Before that, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a, another long period of time. You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, when God said, I have Canaan in mind for you. And so here they are finally coming out of Egypt as slaves, coming out as the people of God as victors and conquerors they're on the threshold it's all over but the shouting at this point all they have to do is trust and obey but here God's people in Numbers 13 and 14 they forfeited the land of Canaan. And and for 40 days, the, the, the spies investigated the land and God gave them one year of wandering around in a wilderness for every day they wandered around trying to figure out whether they're going to trust and obey. They're on the threshold. All they have to do is trust and obey. This morning, I want to preach on this thought. The tragedy of almost being in God's will. The tragedy of almost being in God's will. Thank you. Please be seated. Some things almost is not as consequential. The kids growing up, Priscilla being the first one, we'd go to Brewster's ice cream and they'd have that, that measuring stick uh, there and, and it would show you the height as to whether or not you qualify for a free child's cone. And there were times that we would take pictures over the course of time of Priscilla and got her, you know, really little, where she's barely able to 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 walk. And, you know, a year, I, get, I think, at ten months, she started walking, and uh, and and we would take pictures along those uh, those mile markers. And she got to where at one point she was there, and she was right over that. I think it's like forty inches or or something like that. And she was right above it, so she no longer qualified for the free child's comb. The worker said. No big deal. We'll give it to her anyway. So sometimes almost is not as consequential. We went to SeaWorld just recently. And, and when the kids got out, we had free ticket given to us. And so we went. And, and Gretchen is our roller coaster junkie. And uh, if, it, if it goes upside down, and she's on top of the world. And so that's the way her mom is. But the problem is, those who know Christy just came out of surgery in January, and so she's got hardware in her back, and and she can't do roller coaster. And so didn't think anything about it until listening to Gretchen's uh, uh, deposition as to how her life is going to be cut short from enjoying the quality of things that God would have for her if she doesn't ride a roller coaster, and so. I said, "Sounds good to me. Have at it." And she said, "But I can't go by myself." And I said, "Well, I'll do it. I, I, I will do it. Life is short; eternity's long. I'll do it." And uh, but I said, "You got to get to the measuring stick here." <clears throat> and they, and and I just knew she would be too short. And she got there near it, and. And and, and the worker said, yeah, she looks good. I said, no, let's do it again. We've got to look at it again and uh, measure. They said, no, she looks good. I said, you're not looking at the same thing I'm looking at. I don't think she's, she's clearing that. And I think this is a big deal. Don't you love this country? Don't you love God? Don't you love children? If you do, you will take a better look at this. I don't think she clears it. But she did. So we get on the ride. What was the name of that ride? What is it? icebreaker and, um, icebreaker. We got on this ride and, and so Will's going to go. Priscilla's going to go. Priscilla, she's like me. Gretchen's like her mom. And, and so Christy's down bottom. She's going to video this. Priscilla's saying the whole way walking up, I, I am sick. I think I've caught something. I've got the flu. I think I'm sick. And I said, "Yeah, yeah. I think you called it for me. I'm not feeling too good either. I don't think we're gonna. We should be able to do this." Gretchen's like, "Yeah, let's go, let's go!" And and um, and we go up there and and we get in line and and I'm kind of watching this thing and and watching it and what it looks like and the way it starts out. You you get down and and, and Gretchen is beside me. Will and Priscilla are in front of me, and and you get into this this seat and. And you look in front and there's no track. So what this whole thing cart does and all these like six, eight seats, whatever it is, and there's double, two of us, we're sitting here and it moves us. We literally move sideways and we lock into the track. There's no way that is safe. There's just no way that that is even possible that that's safe. And then we slide out we, we, we go for, And then it moves us sideways to the main track. And then what happens is we go backwards. We go backwards. We go backwards and we're going up, 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 and we're looking down and, and, and we see, I see Christy down there. And then we go forward and we go up, up, but not enough and we've got more momentum. We go flying backwards and, and we go up really high and then we come down even faster with more momentum. And we go and we not only top the crest of the hill up there, but then we go into a loop and upside down and all kinds of things. It was so bad. My phone was in my back pocket. But not when I got off the ride, it wasn't. <laughs> it was rough. And we're going upside down, turning around. And, and, and I, I'm looking over at Gretchen. She's going, woo! I say, Priscilla, how's Will? I was getting real nervous. Will's so so nimble, and I just was thought, oh, there's no way. This track moved. They moved it sideways. There's no way. They didn't examine the, the measuring. There's no way they've counted all the different possibilities that could happen. Priscilla, how's Will doing? She said, he's laughing. <laughs> Priscilla, how are you doing? And she said, I'm sick. Hmm. <laughs> I said, just hang on, and uh, almost, she almost didn't make it, and I thought I would have been spared, but she met the height, and we got on, and and, and my life really does flash before my, I saw all kinds of things, I saw, I saw life the way it could have been, it should have been, it would be, and all these different things. I saw it in black and white and and 3 and, and, and I, I Just all these things are going through my mind in such a short period of time, almost. And I said, back or no back, we'll have more surgeries. You're riding with her. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I just, just can't do it. I just can't. It's just, it's just not possible. I say in... Almost doesn't count, except for in horseshoes and something else. Hand grenades. Hand grenades. Yeah, well, we ain't doing that. But um, you know, there, there are some things where it's okay. Getting an ice cream cone. It's a little bit more strict when it comes to safety aspects. Somebody's job might be on the line. When it comes to your soul, there's no room for almost. Just because you know the gospel doesn't mean you've embraced the gospel. Just because you've been in church doesn't mean you're in Christ. You need to get it settled. The Bible tells us one in the book of Acts who said, Almost, almost I was persuaded. Almost does not equal being saved. Almost doesn't count. When it comes to your soul, almost doesn't count when it comes to revival. We get very subjective about it because we then think, well, I know where I am. I know what I've done. I know how much I've tried. I know how sincere I am. But you and I are not the measuring stick. Almost is not the same as being right with God. Almost being in God's will is not the same as being in God's will. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 30, Caleb said, Let us go up at once, for we are well able to overcome it. The songwriter wrote, almost persuaded now to believe, almost persuaded Christ to receive, seems now some soul to say, go spirit, go thy way, some more convenient day on thee I'll call. What did Israel do at Kadesh Barnea that brought about shameful defeat, 40 years wandering in the wilderness? What was it? Well, God's people committed at least five blatant sins, and God's children today still are capable of committing these same sins and suffering the same kind of shameful defeat. Remember, how God dealt with the nation in the Old Testament is how he deals with us as individuals in the new what was it that God's people did that caused them just to settle with the wilderness? And, and, and you read about 40 years in the wilderness, you will find this to be true. God was good to his people. God was good to them. He clothed them, he fed them, he led them. But they settled for less than what he had in store. And God's people, the parents who settled for less, influenced and impacted their own children. Many of them to do the same thing. Yes, when they became of age, they had to make a decision. They could say mom and dad did this and and they're good people. But I want to remind us, it's not our responsibility as parents to to train up. Children to be good children or good adults. We are raising up children to be godly Christians. And there's a difference. What was it that God's people did quickly? Number one, in verses 1 through 25, they doubted God's word. In verse number one of chapter 13, The Lord spake unto Moses and said, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan. Verse 25, they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. The first wavering step that God's people took was doubting God's word when asking if they could go spy out the land. It wasn't God's will that they go spy out the land. So what was God's will? That they go into the land. You say, well, the Bible says that God gave them their request. Well, sure. Psalm 106 tells us that God gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. And when they altered God's plan for their life, God altered His plan for their life. Sure. Take the spies. But you're going to suffer for not trusting and obeying. Well, how did they suffer? Well, they got the fruit of what they did. They investigated. And the majority of the spies said, this isn't good. Well, two of the spies says, what does good have to do with it? This is what God said. Well, we need to sit down and figure this. We need to think through this. This is, this is a very important. So they're trying to look at it on paper. Ten of them. Two of them, Caleb and Joshua said, you're looking at the wrong paper. God said, this land he's given to us. 430 years in Egypt, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, going all the way back to Genesis 12. God said, this is his plan for our life. But they doubted God's word. And when they doubted, it becomes a slippery slope. Moses endorsed their request, but it appears that God let them have their request so that he could teach them a lesson. He's going to instruct them. See, they needed to learn just like we do to trust the word of God and obey God's word rather than our own way. So the 12 spies, they traveled 500 miles, 40 days. And do you know what they discovered in those 40 days? Nothing that God had not already told them. But they based everything that they did upon their investigation rather than God's declaration. See, surveying the land, it might be good humanly. It might be good military tactics. But that's not God's perspective. God's perspective is trust and obey. Trust and obey. The Lord is going to go before you, trust and obey. But his people failed to follow by faith. And wherever you fail to follow by faith, you fail. Right. They doubted that God was able to keep his promises. They doubted that God could literally give them the land. So number one, they doubted God's word. A second thing that they did that keeps them, that kept them and keeps us from experiencing the will of God. You might be at the almost, but when you doubt God's word, it leads to a second dynamic, and that is discouragement. They discouraged God's people. God's people got discouraged. Notice in verse 26 of chapter 13, and they went and came to Moses and Aaron and to all the children or all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. Told them, here's the good things, verse 27, verse 8. Nevertheless, the people that are there, they're strong. They're they're pretty um, uh, uh, strong, walled in city, strong giants, verse 29. And verse 31, but the men that went up with him said, we can't do it. They're discouraged. It's interesting to see the two perspectives, the 10 spies and the two spies. The 10 spies, when they start wanting to back out of experiencing God, two things that they said is very, very uh, 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 timely to indicate where their heart is they said in in chapter number 13 verse 20 land uh, 27 the land whither thou sentest us chapter 13 verse 32 the land which they had searched that's how they're they're referring to the land what is the land the land is God's will and how are the ten spies referring to it they're calling it the land that God sent us the land that we searched out. What should they have called it? God's will for my life. See, whenever a church member comes in and starts saying, I've I'm, I'm got some things I'm trying to work out in my mind. You know, this church of yours, Pastor, Uh-oh. I mean, it's not my church. Aren't you a member? But when it's already putting it in different terms, you're developing the heart and mindset of one of the ten spies. You've bought into discouragement and you're creating discouragement. By the way, discouragement is one of the greatest tools of Satan. Discouragement is a sin. But when you doubt God's word, you're going to get discouraged. I don't, I don't think, we can, I don't, I don't think we, can, we can go to a church where, where all we hear is trust and obey, trust and obey all the time. I just don't think it's possible. Do you know what it's like in our house? Do you know what it's like with our budget? Do you know what it's like with my kids? Do you know what it's like with my health? Do you know? I've got a question for you. Do you know my God? Amen. Trust and obey. It wasn't the same for every one of these spies. It wasn't the same for every one of these tribes because every tribe had different families and every family had different ages and different ages, they had different problems, different conditions, different health issues, different diagnoses, different issues, but they all had the same answer. Trust and obey. But when you don't, it leads to discouragement. See, these men were walking by sight. They didn't really believe the promises of God. Do you know what their favorite song was? We are not able. One of them would say, Hey, let's sing it again. We're not able. We're not able. We're not able. I know we're not able. I know we're not able to experience all the will of God. We're not able. What did the two sing? God's able. God's able. I know he's able. See, unbelief is serious because it challenges the character of God. Unbelief, it rebels against God's will. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Why? Because everything that is not full faith in God insults God. And so they discouraged the people. I don't I, just don't I don't I don't I don't think I don't think we can do it. I, I don't think we ought to. I don't I don't I don't I just don't think we ought to do. I don't think we can do. I, I just don't know. A pastor doesn't know. You know, and people don't know they they're, they're just yes men who are following the pastor. They don't know. We don't know. No, it is not possible. We, we can't do this. I I think almost I mean we're almost we're not perfect. Nobody's perfect. We're almost they were judged For 40 years, for almost. And so will you. They doubted God's word. They were discouraged because of it. What else can you be? That's why some of you haven't had the joy, joy, joy down in your heart. And you've not experienced the joy. There's no testimony you can give. Or you can go somewhere else and give a testimony. Because you don't know experiencing God. Not until you trust and obey, you don't. Not until you trust and obey. I say, not until you trust and obey. If our daily prayer is, Thy will be done, we shouldn't be discouraged. See, when the child of God is in the will of God, there's no place for complaining, even if the circumstances are difficult. The will of God will never lead us where God's grace and power cannot provide and protect us. So if our daily prayer is thy will be done, and if we walk in obedience to God's will, what is there to complain about? You know what a complaining spirit is? It's an evidence of an ungrateful, unsurrendered heart. When you grumble, you're daring to say that you know better than God. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14, do all things without murmuring, that's complaining. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that's arguing. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Remember, there were four men of God that was in the camp. There was uh, uh, Moses and Aaron, there was Caleb and Joshua. Moses and Aaron, when God's people set out in discouragement about this, well, I think it's okay, we just stay right here. We don't have to go all the way. We obeyed God, came out of Egypt, we've done this much. Listen, God's not saying, hey, good job, good job for obeying yesterday. You You don't have to obey today. Good job for trusting me way back there when you were little. You don't have to trust me. You don't find that in the Bible. Almost is not the same as being all in, all the way, all the time. Healthy Christians, we said last week, they focus on daily, daily being surrendered, daily trusting the Lord. And so what happens is Moses and Aaron, they fell on their face before God and they prayed, Oh God, would you deliver these people? Don't wipe them out. And Caleb and Joshua, they went before the people and they pled with the people, don't vote against God. Moses and Aaron, they are pleading with God Caleb and Joshua. They're pleading with God's people. Don't set into discouragement. Don't complain about what God's given to us. Don't turn back now. And so what did God's people do? Rather than have revival, they got ticked off. Why? Because Moses and Aaron, they have it right. We don't get God in on this. We're in a mess. And Caleb and Joshua are right. People, if you're not trusting and obeying, you're living in rebellion against God. And God will treat it as such. The Jews didn't appreciate it. In chapter 14, verse number 10, they wanted to stone Moses and Aaron and Caleb and Joshua. Listen, when God's people walk by sight rather than by faith, God's people don't have enough sense to know who your real friends are. And you will turn against those who can help you the most. When you walk by sight, not by faith, you don't have enough sense to know who your real friends are. Friends are A friend is one who will do right and will help you do right. So what did they want to do? They wanted to stone the messengers. The will of God. What is the will of God? It's the expression of the love of God for his people. Why would you not want the will of God? God's will is not punishment, it's nourishment. It's not painful chains that shackle you. It's loving cords that will keep you close to God's heart. But those who rebel against God's will, they're denying God's wisdom. They're questioning God's love and they're tempting the Lord to discipline them. God wants you to know his will. He wants you to understand his will. He wants you to delight in his will. He wants you to obey His will. He wants you to yield to the Lord, trust and obey, and prove by experience Romans chapter twelve, verse one and two, what the will of God truly is. Don't you see another thing that happens whenever you disobey, you doubt God. Whenever you get discouraged. Because of the doubting of God, it leads to a third dynamic, and that is they vetoed God's will. In chapter 14 and verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. You see, in the camp of Israel, unbelief, discouragement, it spread rapidly from the heart. And from one heart to the next heart before long, the whole congregation, they're they're unified. But they're unified to veto God's will. I want to tell you, the family ought not be a curse, it ought to be a blessing. But when the family sits around and they grumble and they complain and it's passed on so that mom and dad say, well, you know, we're we're doing God's will just fine, but the kids can't seem to find God's will if it were to hit them with 18 wills underneath it. That's a problem. But what's happened is exactly what happened with the nation of Israel, griping and complaining and doubting and criticizing. It led to a vetoing of God's will. Anytime parents will say, I'm just glad my kids are here. Are you, are you kidding me? You're just glad that your kids are even here? What Bible have you been reading Where do you ever find God saying, well, I'm just glad you just showed up today. I'm just glad you didn't knock somebody off today. I'm just glad you didn't manslaughter somebody today. Where do you get that kind of thinking? I'll tell you, it's because you've been doubting God. When you doubt God, it leads to discouragement. And when you're discouraged, it leads to people saying, I'll go on the record, I'll sign the dotted line, and I too will veto God. You hear me, you laugh and you smirk, you understand, you can laugh your way into the wilderness, you'll never laugh your way out. I'm trying to help. I've been trying to help you. I've traveled this country trying to help parents. And I will tell them, if you don't kick it in gear, you're going to have a girl who's pregnant out of wedlock. You're going to have a young man who's shacking up like he's a dog in heat. And just because he comes to church, you think it's okay? God help us. You've blabbed your mouth long enough. You've discouraged people all around you for quite some time. You don't get medals for showing up. Almost. It's tragic. And grandparents, some of you ought to get on your face like Joshua did. And cry out to God for the sins that you've tolerated. I'm standing with God. You think your kids are for sale and they live like it. I'm telling you, God has other plans. You veto them, I can't do anything about it. People say, well, you just don't have time. I have time for everybody who wants help. The two things I'm involved in, one, helping people who won't help. The fact that there are parents who've not been knocking on my door saying, I need, don't wait, don't wait until he's in a drunken stupor. Get there when we've said, you need help. I'm helping those who won't help. And then I'm getting involved with those who say, I'm vetoing God's will. And I see you're a detriment to others. Then I get involved. Other than that, God says, I've got to chase them. It's interesting that many people do exactly like the children of Israel. In chapter 14, verse 1, what were they doing? They were down at the invitation. They're down at the altar. They're sitting around looking spiritual. They're crying. Oh, Oh God, why are we going through this? You know what they were crying about? They were crying about the repercussions of the decisions they've made. They were not crying out about the sins they've committed. Oh, this is so hard. You don't understand. Well, my my family is so traumatized. Well, then get on your face before God and confess the sin to God and let God bring healing, cleansing power. You can go to all the counseling services. You can take counseling and get a degree. You can write a counseling curriculum. It is not knowing that will set you free. It is trusting and obeying truth that will deliver you. And God's people in chapter 14, all they're doing is crying out, we don't like this. We don't like where we are. We don't like this. And God is saying, I've never, I have never changed the song. It's always trust and obey. It's always trust and obey. Well, you know, Moses, he is such a hard guy to get along with. Let me just address that for a moment. When I, when I hear something... Well, when it pops up a few times in a recent period, then I think, you know, there's, 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 there's gotta be precedent somewhere in the Bible. When I find that people who are hiding sin, they've got pornography in their life, They've slandered the leadership. They're not really for God. They're just about making sure they look good. And everybody else is a Pharisee, if you say anything to them. But then they come up with this. Well, you know, the reason why we don't go to pastor is because pastor, he's just not approachable. Pastor, he really intimidates us. Pastor, he's a mean, mean, mean person. And I... The third time I heard that here in about five days, it dawned on me. Do you know the first one to say that? Adam. That's right. Amen. Adam! Where are you? Adam? Genesis 3. Why are you hiding? Because I was afraid of you. You're just a mean bully. Adam said, I'm afraid. I feared. What did they have to fear? God had given them everything. And one little, eensy, beansy, tiny, little, insignificant, small rule. You know why they were hiding? Because they were naked. And God says, who told you? You know why they were hiding? Because they were sin-filled. And ever since, man hides. God exposes. 1 John chapter 1, God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If, if... If we walk in the light as He's in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ is done, cleanses us from all sin. You know what people do who veto the will of God? They hide. Oh, this sin is only 20 years old. It's not a big deal. I think it was about close to 2,000 years ago Jesus died, and I say it's still a big deal. Yeah, it's still a big deal. We don't have a statue of limitations when it comes to your sin. Almost is not the same as the will of God. Transparency is where God lives. Hiding is where those who veto the will of God live. They vetoed the will of God and they cried and wept. And, and the truth is, when your eyes are on yourself and your circumstances, you lose perspective and you say and do ridiculous things just like God's people. And the next day, the whole congregation, they criticized Moses and Aaron. And then they were saying things, chapter 14, we read it. They said things like, we were better off in Egypt. We were better off before we ever got saved. We, we ate better as slaves. Really? That, that would be like young people coming home, getting adjusted to not having to trust and obey. And they say things like, man, camp food was best food we've ever eaten. Said no teenager ever. But perspectives change when your focus changes. The Apostle Paul sitting in jail in the book of Philippians and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Jesus said, when you're persecuted, say, thank God. But when it comes to the will of God, we're saying things like, "I I just think it was better before we ever even knew that there was a Bible. Really? They're really saying this stuff? God gave them leadership and they said, we want to we elect our own to take us back to Egypt. The place that they were crying that God would take them out of. Right. <clears throat> Why? Because they started out, number one, doubting God. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. They vetoed God's will. Quickly, look at this one. After they vetoed God's will, they, they refused to admit their own failings that got them there. By the way, remember, wherever you are, it's the sum total of the decisions you've made. Where you are... In your checking account, it's because of the decisions you've made in spending, where you are weight-wise and health-wise. Many times are the the results and compound interest of the decisions we've made. Certainly, there are things that, that come into our life we can't control. But by and large, we have to. We have to, as mature people, if we're ever going to see victory in an area, we've got to take responsibility. And they refuse to take responsibility. It's not our fault. It's God's fault, they said. And it's the leadership's fault. And so they refused to do that. And so as time went on, here's what happened in chapter 14, verse number 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than they. You know what they ended up experiencing? If you read through verse 38, judgment. God says, I've got a judge him. Like a stubborn child, the Jews never seemed to ever learn their lesson. Instead of pleasing the Lord who had done so much, they provoked him to anger and they dared him to act. And he did. Let me see one last thing. In chapter 14, notice in verse 39. And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel and the people mourned greatly. In other words, Moses' leadership is saying, here's the decision you made and here's how your decision makes you. And here's the result of it. In verse number 40, and they rose early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain saying, lo, we be here and we will go up into the place which the Lord hath promised for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before your enemies. Notice verse 44. But they presumed to go up unto the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Here's the fifth thing that happened. The day of their Great failure. They vetoed the will of God. And this is the very next day. The Jews were supposed to start on their long march through the wilderness. Numbers 14 verse 25. But the nation refused to obey unbelief, a complaining spirit, rebellious attitude towards leadership. It created trouble in their lives and it only continued to cultivate an appetite for self, what self wants. Remember, pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. The Israelites, they may have, according to verse 39, mourned greatly. They may have said in verse 40, we have sinned. But listen, regret, regret, regret is not the same as repentance. Admitting is not the same as confession. Balaam said the exact words, I have sinned. He didn't get right with God. Achan said the exact words, I have sin. Joshua chapter 7, and they stoned Achan. Judas Iscariot said the exact same words, I have sin. He committed suicide. He's in hell. Saying the words is not the same as experiencing repentance. Here, What happened was they presumed, number five, this is the fifth thing, they presumed upon God's goodness. In other words, they admitted, all right, Moses, you're right, you're right, yeah, we see where we are. All right, we we blew it, we made a mistake. You're right, you're right. Get off our back. All right, here we go. Here's what we're going to do. We're going out to battle, and we're going to get right back into being a good Israel camp member. And Moses said, oh, no, no, no. You can admit to it all you want to, but you can't go out to battle like you were supposed to yesterday because God's not in it. You go out to battle, you're going to lose. Just because you went through the prayer, just because you got up and gave a testimony... And some people actually have the many a case. Has there been when somebody, instead of dealing with sin, it's just easier to get saved all over again? Because you can't church discipline a lost person. So we'll just get saved again. I wasn't really saved in the first place. That's so sorry. And by the way, if they really did get saved, you know what they would do? They'd do like Matthew did or Zacchaeus rather, in Matthew. Zacchaeus got saved. He was a lost man when he cheated. He was a lost man when he had stolen. When he got saved, he says, I'm going to repay. I'm going to give back more. I am going to do right. My getting saved is not an excuse to get out of doing right. It is now saying I have God's power and clarity. I harmed the church of the the church and the cause of Jesus Christ, I'll do right. You study those who are truly converted and you'll find the fruit of conversion. But whenever there's the, I think we're just going to get right back in it and I'm just going to get right back up in the choir, just get right back on the instrument, just going to get right back in it and, Just do what I'm supposed to do. You know, after all, trust and obey. Well, who put you in charge? Who made you God? Trust and obey? That's right. But why don't you trust and obey when it comes to repentance? You know why revivals come and revivals go as far as the meeting and the manifest presence of God. And some do not give testimony because of the same cycle that God's people experienced thousands of years ago, the same cycle you're experiencing in your heart. And Moses said, don't you go. But didn't God forgive me? Well, sure he forgives. He, ref- he forgives repentance, and even when he forgives, do you know what happens? He's still God. What does that mean? That means he can change the plan anytime he wants to, and he changed the plan for the people who voted against God's will. He changed it. Now their plan is, I'll be good to you, but you're gonna be in a wilderness the best thing you can do is humble yourself, trust, and obey. But as long as you want to argue, you're going to presume upon God's goodness. Faith. Faith says that God's good all the time. All the time, God's good. Faith says, I may not feel the nearness of God, but I'm gonna trust Him no matter what. See, faith is simply obeying God in spite of how we feel, what we see, or what we think might happen. When God's people trust and obey, the Lord delights in doing wonders because they glorify His name. Mark Twain said, Faith was believing what you know ain't so. I tell you, that's not faith. D.L. Moody said, Real true faith is man's weakness leaning on God's strength. Moms and dads whose young people just came back from camp, God pointed out some things in their life. You know what God's trying to get them to do? To experience God. And he's bringing them to a place to help them see, you're not God. You've got some problems. We all do. But real faith, and without faith, you can't please God. Real faith says, I'm weak, but I'm going to lean on the one who is strong. But moms and dads, you've got to lead the way. Experiencing God, experiencing God in my heart and in my home. We need to go down through here and look and see, are we doubting God any place, anywhere? Is there even a sniff of doubting God? And this matter of bringing discouragement, have I discouraged my children to not go all the way with God? Have I discouraged others to not go all the way with God? If so, you ought to be the first one down the aisle to get God's help and get right. Have you vetoed God's will? Are you experiencing the judgment of God because you made your decision, then your decision makes you? And then number five, Are you presuming upon God's goodness? I just go back to the motions. Or better, yeah, I can go somewhere else. You presume upon God's goodness. You're not God. I'm not God. He is. Trust and obey. Stand together, please.